The truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Welcome back to Civil Diligence, politics made simple for the everyday millennial and why you should give a damn. Hope everybody is out there living their best life. And if you're not quite there yet, I hope you're aspiring and working towards living your best life. Sorry if I sound stuffy. I have been battling a cold slash flu since Thursday and this joker snuck up on me and smacked the complete nonsense out of me. I have been out of commission for a few days. I thought I was going to have a year where I don't get sick as we were entering the last final of winter. But clearly my immune system is like psych got to be more careful so excuse me if there are parts that i sound like a corroded frog or it sounds like i'm stuffy and nasally or if i cough in your ear or i just take pauses to drink this good old tea please bear with me we are going to continue as you know i like to kick things off with disclaimers that Way nobody is extremely surprised by what they hear in my episodes. One, I curse. Two, I will mess up the English language. Three, we will not always see eye to eye or may never see eye to eye, but we can still have the conversation, agree to disagree, be respectful, and keep it moving. I especially want to stress that disclaimer because a lot of people especially older generations fail to see what I do here my audience are people at a millennial generation they are not you so certain older people that I get that comment on my stuff they definitely are not here for some of the things or some people say that it is clickbait that they say with some headlines My whole thing is this platform was created for millennials who don't necessarily talk about politics or don't necessarily see a platform where they can talk about politics. It's not for you. If you are looking for something that's more professional, I will gladly direct you to NPR, Fox, CNN, MSBC, whatever the liberal thing is. I would gladly... Hope that you go there because that's where you're going to get your professional tone. You ain't going to get it here. This ain't it. Four, I'm in the mother-loving kingdom. That's my qualifications on speaking on this particular subject. And five, things may change by the time you listen to this episode, especially this episode. So keep that in mind as you listen. Let's move on to what I'm here for this week. What I'm here for this week is a light segment where we could talk about anything that brings you joy in the world. What I'm here for this week, Senator Elizabeth Warren's announcement speech. We all knew that she was trying to run. We all knew that that was a possibility in 2020 and the talks have been looming around in Washington. But Saturday is when she kicked off her presidential nomination speech. 
And I won't go into complete detail, but I'd like to highlight a little bit of her speech. She's running on voters to join her for the fight of our lives, debunking super PACs and big money slash corruption that controls Washington. Her focus is geared towards building the middle class. And Warren said that she is focused on changing regulations that would clean up Washington, change rules in our economy, and change rules to strengthen our democracy. She talked about voter discrimination and suppression. She vows she will never take money from large corporations or super PACs during her campaign. And one of the things that I thought was that kind of perked up my ear a little bit is when she said the man in the white house is not the cause of what is broken he is just the latest most extreme symptom of what's gone wrong in america a product of a rigged system that props up the rich and powerful and kicks dirt on everyone else and she also said that once he's gone we can't pretend this will never happen again and i extremely agree with her i put up the debate a long time ago that, you know, I don't believe Donald Trump is the cause of the biggest, the sexist, homophobic rhetoric that is placed in the world. I believe this has always been a thing in America. It's one of the things that has hurt America on its upbringing. So when we talk about those things in present day, it's not surprising. It's really not. It's just one of the many forms of years and decades and centuries of talks that have been placed around in America. And it will happen long after President Trump is gone off of office. I thought the speech was a good start for her. It was strong and solid. Yes, it had a lot of progressive ideas, but I think she would go a little bit further than Bernie did. Bernie came at a time when people weren't completely ready to accept progressive ideology or did not know what progressive ideology is in the sense to go further Progressive is socialism, which is not necessarily the case. Yes, I can see where the argument is placed with socialists and progressive ideas, but it's not that. Of course, millennials were gung-ho about many of Bernie's ideas because it related to them. Millennials can relate to affordable college, affordable health care, you know, low taxes, all of that. So, of course, millennials back in 2016 didn't vote for squat, but millennials always saw that that appealed to them because that's what we're living today. But I believe Senator Warren could achieve something that Bernie Sanders could not do and can't possibly do, which is to be more realistic in the political playing field. Elizabeth Warren isn't necessarily your moderate, isn't necessarily your conservative Democrat, but she is more realistic than the fact that socialism will never work in America because truth be told, America isn't a socialist country. It will never be. We weren't founded on those principles. However, she does attack the question, why can't we afford to send our kids and our youth to college? Why can't we afford to give our children a, a decent, not even a decent, a well-funded, established education? Why can't we give people 
healthcare in America. We are one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And why can't we do that? So I'm interested in seeing how far she will go. However, what I'm hoping for all the Democrats that are coming into this campaign season is stay away from the mocking tactics of the Republican Party. Do not mock each other and don't mock the Republican president. Why? Because this has been done in 2016. It's been done in 2008. 2008. In 2008. It doesn't work. Focus on what you can do for America. Like Senator Warren said that President Trump might not even be a contender in 2020. Okay, that's fine after he jabbed you about Native American ancestry. But let's move on beyond that. Truth of the matter is he's probably going to be the incumbent president nominee he is that's just the truth of the matter but let's move on past that what are you going to be able to do for us what are you going to be doing for the next generation as the president of the united states quite frankly i'm tired of them going back and forth for president trump because hillary tried that and clearly it did not work so i hope that each candidate moves beyond going tit for tat with Trump because that's what his base likes, not necessarily what your base wants for 2020. Another thing I'm here for this week is people holding Governor Ralph Northam accountable and calling for his resignation. If you've been living underneath a rock, he is the governor of Virginia who back in med school days wore blackface. And now all of a sudden he has amnesia and doesn't remember those days. My first reaction when I heard this story was, okay, another white man whose racism back in the day came to bite him in the ass in present day. Okay, what else is new? Then as the story unfolded, it got me a little perturbed, a little pressed. Who the hell are you trying to fool, you racist asshole? Stop pissing on me and calling it rain. Just admit you're a damn racist. Whoever did the PR for this man is terrible. It should be fired. If you would have apologized from the jump and said, you know, I'm sorry, it was a distasteful prank, and I will vow to do racism, equality, and try to mend race relations in the state of Virginia, that would have been okay. We know that you're a racist bastard, but you know what? Such is life. But the way... He went back and forth on the whole idea of, I think it was me. I don't think it was me. This happened for a reason. What the fuck kind of reason is that? You're just a fucking racist at this point. Blackface is a form of racism, whether or not you want to believe it or not. Black people aren't trying to be in a fucking white face. The fuck will we dress up as white people? We're still in our own skin. Hello. Like, I've been said this. If you're a racist, just admit that shit. Let me know you really don't fuck with me based off the color of my skin. Pisses me off with this president. Pisses me off with people in general who would not, like I say, who would not admit that they are racist, but say racist shit, but then say that they're for the blacks, for Latinos, for Asians. It's the fact that you go back around and do some racist shit. And smile in our face. Admit who you are. Be real with that shit. 
be honest. Yeah, I still won't fuck with you, but I can give you a little bit of respect of saying, hey, this is me. I don't fuck with you because you're a nigger. I would gladly say, hmm, okay, all right, as you were. I don't have to guess why you are the way you are. I don't have to allude to your races. I just know off jump front street you are. I'm glad people are calling for his resignation. I don't give a fuck if you are a Democrat. I don't give a fuck if you're a Republican, if you're Muslim, Christian, blue, green, gay, straight, whatever. Racism is racism. So that's all I'm here for this week. Please tell me what you're here for this week and email civildiligence at gmail.com. Thanks. So now let's get into the nitty gritty of what I wanted to talk about this week. Since the last episode, we had a State of the Union address and we are days away from a possible government shutdown. So let's backtrack to the State of the Union. If you were on the conservative slash Republican side, you would think that Trump did very well. It was less outlandish than his previous speeches. He attempted to address the polarization in the country, saying we need to work together in order to get something done. And this is true. Nothing will get done in this country if both sides don't come together. When we look at compromising both sides, we gain and lose something. That's what compromising is all about. Give a little, take a little. All of that. The problem is no one is willing to compromise. Well, that was before the State of the Union. <laughs> I think we are more in a compromising conversations now because clearly they're, they have like a deal ready to happen. They have a deal ready to be set in place so they can vote on it because nobody wants a, another shutdown. We just ended a shutdown, the longest shutdown that we had in U.S. history. And if they get into another shutdown, we're all going to look like a bunch of jackasses. I believe the reason why they're working so hard to not be in another shutdown is because 2020 is next year. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, independent, moderate, conservative, liberal, whatever. It's going to hurt you because... Again, these are people's lives at stake. But here are a few takeaways from last Tuesday. I found it extremely ironic that Trump said, let's stop the investigation talk. Let's focus on the issues. If you remember history classes, or if you're a political nerd, or just a history nerd in general that likes looking at Watergate like I do, Nixon said the same <laughs> shit when he was giving his speeches. Let's focus on the issues. Let's not focus on the investigation. I mean, I get it. You know, K has been two years. Can we look at something else? And I mean, that's a great deterrent factor. Hey, we have other things to worry about. Stop focusing on me. And regardless if Mueller, you know, finds something, I highly doubt that it's going to happen within the next year and a half. I really, really do. So I found it ironic. Most guilty people try to place the blame, try to place the focus somewhere else than on their own shit. As I stated, he did try to receive the olive branch towards, you know, less polarization talk, but undermine that talk with his hard stance on abortion and Im illegal immigration. Yes, he said that we need to get out of our political revenge and let's move on getting things done, but then said that life is the most important thing and we need to protect that innocence and then his hard stance on illegal immigration. 
But again, and I said this, that's what he ran on. So it would be stupid of him not to go back to that when that's what his base wanted. That's what his supporters want to hear. What I found even more interesting on um, his speech is when he stated that there was an increase in women involvement in the workforce and in politics. And I'm glad he recognized this and called it out. Now, there was an increase in women involvement in politics on the Democrat side to tear down what Trump represents. But overall, I'm glad he acknowledged it because that's true. Women are getting into the political field where they weren't getting into it before, were more recognized in the country. I think that it's important for him to acknowledge that and to accept that because it is definitely true in this day and age. So I'm glad he did it. I'm sure he was very much so shocked at the response he got from that statement, but I'm glad he acknowledged it nevertheless. Another thing is you could tell the disdain, disturbance between Pelosi and Trump. Trump did not acknowledge Pelosi, though he doesn't have to. But other presidents do acknowledge their speaker, even if it's in some small fashion. They do acknowledge it, especially when she is the only woman who has held that role. Trump did not acknowledge her, and Pelosi definitely could care less about Trump, you saw it in her facial expressions, that classic fuck you clap, which I might add has been around since the test of time. Please look at any gay man or any black woman. We are the queens of sarcastic side eye and fuck you claps. If you look back in 2017 inauguration, Michelle Obama had the same clap. But either way, Trump wasn't here for Pelosi and Pelosi was not here for Trump. Moving on. The facial expressions on the 2020 hopefuls was funny. (laughs) Let's make no mistake that they are not here for Trump. Kamala Harris said before the speech even began that this was not pulled the nation together. And Bernie Sanders just wasn't here because he was just giving that disdain, constipated look throughout the whole speech. You could clearly tell they are not fans of President Trump. The last thing that I think is really the most important takeaway from the speech is you can definitely tell the deep-rooted polarization that is in our country. It is so apparent, and it is blaring from the mountaintops. The grave expression on the Democrats and the gleeful expression on the Republicans was apparent. And I think that's important to note as we could go into another election year, that that's going to be something that candidates on both sides are going to have to address. How are we going to pull the country together? What are you going to do to, you know, minimize it? We're always going to have, you know, a conservative view versus a liberal view or even a moderate view. But what are we going to do to come together? Because clearly nothing gets done when we're so far apart. So that were some takeaways that I gathered from the State of the Union address. To go forward, another thing that we probably should address is Stacey Abrams' response. She started off with her upbringing, and that's the oldest trick in the book, mainly because if you want to connect with your audience members, give them a realistic view of you. 
whether you are talking about your upbringing or your current life situation, make it realistic. She did a phenomenal job explaining her the American dream and what she was brought up in. And no matter what side of the aisle you are on, you want a decent life for you and your family. You want to provide for your family. You want to make sure that they are doing well. She made some hard hits at the president, calling him to blame for the shutdown. But one thing I thought was key that I hope people took away from that if you saw it, but if you didn't, one thing that I was key that I commended her for was she doesn't want to see the president fail. And I think that was important for the Dems to say because people think that the Democrats want the president to fail. No matter where you are, you don't want the person that is guiding you to fail. That's like your mom and dad or children. No matter how you view them, whether or not they've had some drug addictions or they're just not you in your eye, a great parent or your child could have done better in life. You never want to see them fail because it's always going to be a a replica of you. You may think they are going to fail. You may know deep down inside, damn, you're going to do it again. But you want to encourage them to do better. And that's what I see with Trump. Because if he fails, we all fail and we're all looking like some damn goofies. Because it's going to cause damage to the country that, you know, presidents, Congress members for years are going to have to clean up. So I thought it was a smart move on her part to include that in her speech. And I also thought that the Democrats chose a great person to give their counterpoint. Stacey is a is popular. And I'm so glad that they got somebody up and coming and popular and something that somebody can relate to. Yes, she's in another generation than from us, but I can relate to her more so than who they had last time because truth be told, I can't even tell you the name of the person who was giving the rebuttal last time. All I know is he was old. He, I think he was a past governor and he was from the South. That's all I could tell you. I just really want to reiterate that if the Democrats are going to have a remote chance in getting the Howard House in 2020, they have to listen to their base. Listen to what your constituents want. Listen to what they need. It's not going to mean anything if you don't listen to them. Furthermore, as I am recording now, there are talks about the budget and trying to stay out of the shutdown. And apparently, just as I have recorded, popped up on my screen, is that both sides have came to an agreement that could divert us from being in another shutdown. The problem is Trump wants money for his wall. The Democrats wants to reduce the number of beds in detention centers. To go further, they do not want to give ICE, which is the Immigration and Custom Enforcement Agency, an unlimited budget. The Democratic argument is we are detaining people who are not violent criminals. They aren't criminals at all. We have an influx of people we detain, giving ICE the ability to have a budget, 
gets into a dangerous territory where we are detaining people who haven't necessarily did anything wrong, especially when they sought and applied for asylum. You get into the whole due process argument and debate here. Republicans, on the other hand, argue we are releasing these potential violent people into our society without any form of detention. I think it's important to note that some of Trump's claims stating the southern border are very false, such as El Paso is a date was a dangerous city before they started building a barrier at the border, which isn't the case. It was steadily going down. The crime rate was going down before the wall was even or the barrier was even, you know, put in place. I think that when we are having this discussion, I think we need to look at the holistic picture with the wall or anything of that. Outside of his base, the wall isn't that popular. I think everybody's in agreement that we need border protection and all of that. However, I think that the real issue is how are we going to fund for a wall when, how are we going to fund for a wall when majority of Americans are not like gung-ho about it? I'm curious on what they're going to do. I'm curious on if the president is going to agree to the agreement because I highly, 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 highly doubt that he has all of his funding for the wall. But we'll see. All I'm going to say is a lot can happen in four days. Um, a lot can happen in the next hour. So we're, we shall see. All I know is that people's lives here are being juggled around. Your political motives doesn't mean jack shit. If the people that support you, if the people that voted you into these positions are unhappy and cannot live their life. And a lot of people, for a lot of people, that probably will be a determining factor when 2020 comes. I hope we can come together. I hope the president can agree to this border wall. I mean, that's it. I hope that the president can agree to, you know, these disagreement. And I hope that we can continue to be productive instead of playing the blame game. So I'll leave this here. Let me know your thoughts. You can email silverdiligence at gmail.com. You can follow the conversation on Facebook and Instagram where Instagram be popping. You can listen to Civil Diligence on SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Um, or if you're really fancy, you can check out the website, silverdiligence.com. And as always, be blessed, be in the kingdom, be great, live your best life. And to the individuals who keep listening every time that I post an episode, thank you so much. Your support means the world to me. So until next time, peace, love, and hair grease. Bye.